0: Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk talk about about Spider-Man. Hey, welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we do just that. We talk about Spider-Man, specifically the original Spider-Man comic book issues from the 1960s by the original creative team of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee um and that's not the only fascinating thing about this podcast it's that there's so many fascinating things yeah so many first one is that wow the original comic books the ones that maybe not a lot of modern spider-man fans have read the other exciting thing is that there's two co-hosts i'm just one my name is will hines yeah i'm another one so like if one host wasn't enough for you you've got two and my name is kevin and get this this is a real twist Kevin Hines. Whoa. Now. It's the same last name you used. We've already got two exciting things. We're doing the original Spider-Man comic books. We got two hosts, and now, twist, they're related? How? Uh, I'm not sure. Me either. Uh, I've looked at our family tree. I've studied it over and over again. It's confusing. I know, I know we have the same parents, and after that, I get lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know you've been alive my entire life and lived in the same house for a long stretch of the early years. Yep. And you showed up about five years in from my memory. Yeah. So we're probably married Probably married. That's the only answer. Um, so but yeah, uh, first well, we're husband big... and husband Spider-Man comic book podcast baby. Yeah, Excellent. and we're big Actually, big, big Spider-Man not. fan. There's so many Spider-Man yeah. podcasts that we, yeah, that yeah. might not even be true. There's no aspect of this podcast that's original. No. Uh, so if you like this podcast, there's another ten you can listen to that are <laughs> largely the same. <laughs> yeah, probably probably the same. Um, yeah. But Kevin and I are huge Spider-Man fans, as you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are too. And uh, we were were into Spider-Man very young, and we had these little digests when when we were kids. Like in the late 70s, Marvel published – Marvel Comics published these little paperback books that were – reprints of the original Spider-Man issues and we devoured them countless times. So we have a huge affection for these old issues. Yeah, we read those first 20 issues over and over again. Uh, We watched cartoons of him on TV. We were excited when the movies came out. Um, uh, I'm still crazy about him. I'm slowly brainwashing my son into loving Spider-Man. He's got like three Spider-Man t-shirts and he's now reached a point where he likes to eat only out of his Spider-Man bowl. Nice. Uh, I don't know why he's chosen to do that other than like right. I forced it on him and he's now accepted that as his decision. Uh, <laughs> but that was my goal all along. At some point he's going to rebel and he'll like be only into the Enforcers or something like that. I mean, that would be like, right into my trap I guess. <laughs> I'd be delighted if he became a huge Fancy Dan fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so we do we do an uh, issue for every episode and this episode we're doing issue number 22 of The Amazing Spider-Man where Spider-Man faces the clown and his master. Of menace, and this is a, a dud of an issue, if you ask me. It's a dud of an issue, but it's such a dud that I started to love it. <laughs> it's so crazy that I I think it might be my favorite issue of Spider-Man ever. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you, you wrapped around. Yeah, it's so nuts that I was like, I don't know it. I, if they stayed in this crazy direction consistently for a while, I they could they could really win me over. Well, I kind of um, wish well, I I, I want to. F- if there's any hardcore comic book fans listening, and you know this issue that we're about to talk about, issue 22, and you know of other things that Steve Ditko did that are this nuts, I'm interested. In. Uh, uh, and I'll talk know. about that. I'll talk about that more as we go through it. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, let's talk yeah. about the cover real quick. Uh, okay. Issue 22. It says it, this cover portrays the clown and the Masters of Menace as the heroes. I feel like. Yeah, they look like persecuted people on the run, and Spider-Man is the scary monster coming to catch them. Yeah, it's just his shadow reaching out over them, uh, the spider signal at their feet. They look terrified. We don't see Spider-Man really on the cover at all. He's a bad guy, I think. He's a bad guy from this cover. Imagine if this whole story was done from their point of view. I mean, I would only love it more. Uh, Yes, but I I don't like this cover. I, I, I think this is a weak cover. Oh, I really like this cover, though. I don't feel like it. It feels like it is selling a different comic. I think it's really moody and cool. You know what? You just won me over. Jesus, oh, you're too easy. <laughs> no, but you did though. You're right. It does look cool. I, I just, uh, I guess I just missed having a big picture of Spidey. Sure. I um, miss seeing Spidey and the, I think the clown and his masters of menace are, uh, I mean, you don't even see the clown's face, which is also ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> these villains are lame. <laughs> Very uh, lame. This cover sells me a little bit on maybe this is a cool issue. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the issues like where <laughs> th- this happens now and then. Where- so Steve Ditko is the artist and Stanley is the writer, although they're both. They both co-write. But um, Ditko uh, likes to have villains who just have weird little abilities, I think, that that give him like weird things to draw when Spidey fights them physically. Like Like there's the enforcers. They're not in this issue, but the enforcers are the bad guys where one guy's got a lasso, one guy's a big, strong dude, and one's a little dude that does karate chops. And it makes for a variety of things to draw. Uh, Or in the Spidey annual where it was the Sinister Six and you've got like the Sandman and Mysterio and all these variety of villains. The the Circus of Crime or whatever they're called. In this issue, they're Uh, the Masters of Menace. Okay. Okay. They come back later as the Circus of Crime. No, last time they were the Circus of Crime. That's a much better name. Well, but they're um, not a circus anymore. <laughs> oh, I like that they're worried about being accurate. <laughs> there's still a, there's still a couple of acrobats, a human cannonball, and a sure, clown. They're circus. They can, all, they're, they're circus performers, but they're not in a big top. They're not doing circus stuff. They're just robbing they're people. So... <laughs> Last time they they're so loyal to the idea of being in the circus. They're like, we're not calling ourselves a circus unless we have an operating and touring circus. That's right. That's right. And I talked <laughs> about this when we read the issue with the circus of crime and it originally these guys feel like the lame enforcers, uh, which is a that's a that's a slap in the face. Uh, because the enforcers are not considered by many people to be the coolest villains. But these guys have special abilities, but they're none of—they're not even as cool as uh, a rope, a strong guy, and a judo master. It's a guy imagine, who imagine, people, some guys who flip yeah. around, a guy who can <laughs> juggle. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And then a woman who has a huge snake, but she never uses that snake. Yeah, that snake comes in very late in the story. That's the only real threat in the entire story. Yeah. We'll get, I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Well, just imagine, readers, listeners of this podcast, imagine a version of Ocean's Eleven where instead of a team where one guy's the brains and one guy is the computer dude and one dude is explosives, imagine one where one guy's job is like, piling stuff neatly and another guy can like snap his fingers good and you had to make that into a plausible heist movie that's what Ditko's doing with the masters of menace yeah people with like non-abilities and trying to create situations where they are threatening Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess it's up to you whether or not it succeeds. It does not. But it's up to you to make that decision when you read it yourself. It does not. not, It does not succeed so much that it does succeed. Okay, interesting. So that's the two takes. It either doesn't or it doesn't (laughs) so much that it does. (laughs) All right. So what's our next segment, Kevin? We got segments Uh, on this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, That was our cover segment. Now we're going to move into podcast and Spider-Man news. I no don't believe we have any news. podcast news. But we do have Spider-Man news. We do have Spider-Man news. Uh, this week they announced, uh, this is a rumor, this is not fact, do not come to this podcast for uh, movie Correct. news. But yep. um, but they have announced that they're looking into Jake Gyllenhaal to play Mysterio in the next Spider-Man movie. Two things are interesting about that, having Jake uh, Gyllenhaal in the movie would be interesting, and then also Mysterio being the villain. Yeah. Uh, and I'm into that idea as Mysterio as a villain. I think Mysterio has great potential I'm uh, as a visual. Well, I mean, you shouldn't be. I love uh, him. I'm curious <laughs> to hear your argument. Let me tell you why I don't, then you can convince me. Cuz sure. like when I first heard oh Mysterio, I was like, "Oh, Mysterio's kind of a lame one." Like the reason I say Mysterio is lame is in the comic at least, and he's a former special effects guy in the movies who uses his abilities to make special effects to become a supervillain? So it's all like smoke and mirrors and illusions that make it look like he has all these powers that he doesn't really. So it's like, it's, you you don't really know what you're dealing with. You know, is he strong? Can he fly? Is he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that to me seems like that's going to fall apart in a movie setting. Like that's just a lame series of, that's a lame talent. Right. I mean, his first appearance, that's all he does. He impersonates Spider-Man and then sets himself up as a superhero to stop Spider-Man, but he has no real abilities. Right. But pretty much after that, they mostly focus on the fact that he's uh, a master of illusions. Okay. That you don't know where Mysterio is. uh, There's multiple images. uh, Mm. There's an issue coming up. I think it's issue 24 where Spider-Man thinks he's going crazy because he's seeing Mm. things everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the illusions play a big part of that uh, story more. And I don't know if they're going to keep the movie background for Mysterio. But if they do, like CGI is a very different thing than practical effects. Right. Uh, to be used. So it's like tricking your eyes, uh, an illusion master. There was a cartoon called Batman Beyond, which uh, was Batman's. It was the future. And Batman had retired and a, and a young boy named Terry McGinnis had taken on the mantle of the bat. And he sort of had. While some, being mentored by an old Bruce Wayne. Right. While being mentored by the old, bitter Bruce Wayne. And there was some Spider-Man aspects to that cartoon because this Batman sort of talked more. It was youthful. uh, There's an issue where, or an episode where they homaged the uh, issue 33 giant weight on his back. So Mm. there definitely was some Spider-Man aspects to him. And he fights a villain called Spellbinder. And there's a great episode where uh, the whole episode, the Commissioner Gordon, the new Commissioner Gordon, Barbara Gordon, is hunting down Batman. She's going to stop him. She's putting the whole city against him. Um, And it turns out the whole time she's been under control by Spellbinder. Spellbinder has created an illusion where she believes Batman had killed somebody and had to finally be stopped. Um, but you just don't know that for most of the episode. And it's like a really cool reveal. Uh, yeah. And it's sort of, you know, Batman's powerless because he doesn't want to hurt the police, but they are hunting him down viciously. Uh, and you can do some really cool stuff with illusions, basically. Interesting. And I like the faceless look of Mysterio. I don't know if, I don't think the costume needs to be, uh, Just like Ditko draws, but I hope it has sort of this sort of faceless, whether whether or not a dome, but something where it's like you just can't see him. Yeah, I feel like movies are loath to have characters where you can't see their face, but at least in drawings and comics, it looks scary sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So I'm interested in it. I I think it's a good choice, especially Spider-Man's got so many villains. It would seem sad to have to already like bring back the Green Goblin. (laughs) I mean, it's either it's either Mysterio or the Clown and the Masters of Menace <laughs> as the second best. Villain. That's the next choice, right down the line. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's our Spider-Man news. Yeah, what's going on in the Marvel Universe at this time? Uh, well, this issue was published, it's, it's March 1965, and yep. Giant Man has a new costume. Giant Man, all right. Well, That's it. You're caught up on what's going on in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Giant Man used to be Ant Man, right? That's right. He goes through so many identity changes, like. Ant Man, who's one of the earliest Marvel heroes, yeah. was in my mind never that big a deal as a character, but they kept trying to make him work. It was Ant Man, and then Giant Man, and then he's Yellow Jacket he at some yellow point. Yellow Jacket, he's, that's right. He's Goli- Goliath at another time. Is he Goliath? I can't remember if he goes by Goliath or someone else gets his powers and becomes Goliath. Hawkeye is you Goliath for a little while. Okay, I can't keep track. Uh, he also, I think, becomes Hank Pym, uh, Scientist Supreme for a little while. Now, now you got me. This I love. That? That's what gets you? Oof. I mean, if there's two comics and one of them says Ant-Man and one says Hank Pym, Scientist Supreme, I'm <laughs> buying Scientist Supreme. mean, you could just not buy either one. I gotta buy one. <laughs> okay, all right, well. Uh, uh, so that's, that's what's going on in the Marvel universe at this time. Uh, Hank Pym over his career in Marvel, according to Wikipedia, assumes the identities of, in addition to Ant-Man, Giant Man, Goliath, Yellow Jacket, and briefly the Wasp. Oh yeah. He was the Wasp. So. Cause the Wasp was dead for a while. So he became the Wasp to honor her. Sad. She's not dead now. Now there's two Wasps. <laughs> Comics is crazy. Okay. Uh, so- and he, I'm not counting him. He's not one of the two Wasps. There's Wasp and Hank Pym's daughter from his previous marriage. Hey, man, cool. Super Hills is a family business. Yep. All right, so should we get into this insane issue? This is really one of the craziest issues. This is the craziest issue that we've read. Yeah, I have have lots of issues with this uh, story, but uh, I'm happy to talk about it. Okay, so- Uh, so are we that we into the issue segment now, Kevin? I just I don't yeah want to... yeah. Let's we go. Let's go right to the splash page. It's the splash got page. Spider Man's back facing us. We still haven't seen his face, and he's facing off against uh, the the Masters of Menace, and they're all sort of labeled with their names. Yeah. Starting with a crafty clown, <laughs> and he's like a sad, angry clown on a unicycle holding a big shepherd's cane. Yeah, yeah. He looks like a real threat. Yep. Then there's the Great Gambonos. <laughs> Two guys in their mid-40s who are little acrobats. They actually look like Puck from Alpha Flight, if you are a 1980s John Byrne comic book fan. They look like twins. One's on the shoulders of the other one, and they look ridiculous. Yep. There's the man called Cannonball. He's <laughs> <laughs> got like an armored headpiece, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he was getting shot out of a cannon, okay, that never happens in this story. <laughs> he just walks he around, never... with his cannonball outfit on. That's right. He just runs uh, at people as fast as he can. Yeah, hits them with the tip of his helmet. Uh, there's yeah. Princess Python, and she's she's just a beautiful looking dame in um in a snake suit. Yep, and then off to the side is uh, a caption that says, "And take a good look at the ringmaster. He won't be around very long." <laughs> Last time we saw the ringmaster, he was in charge of the circus of crime. His plan was to put on a hit circus, tour around the country making tons of money, and then occasionally hypnotizing the audience and stealing their wallets. He's their old leader. That was his old plan. Yep. So um, we don't know what's going on, but I guess they're, we know that they're going to be in the story. So let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, so we open up on the oh, first by the way, page. I, I, is... I even like on the splash page. So the title is The Clown and His Masters of Menace. They really try to make the clown to be this big character, but they are they they say like he's going to be this big character and they never deliver on that. Yeah. This whole issue seems like it's trying to convince you that the clown is a threat and I was reading it. I was like, "Why would I ever think that?" But then I did think, like, "Well, the Joker works." The Joker works, yeah. But it's not like it's not like Batman had a story called like the Joker and his gang of evil, and then the Joker doesn't do anything in the yeah. whole story. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is sort of they... the Marvel's Joker. The clown is sort of the Marvel's Joker. <laughs> Oof, that's weak. <laughs> but what I love is above the title on the splash page, above the clown and his masters of menace, is written the word presenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's still a little bit of that circus flair from Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's 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 get into this. We start right in the middle of some action. Yeah, the circus of crime is in a dingy hotel room and Spider-Man leaps in right away and tells them uh, to, to, to not think about committing any crimes. It's yeah. really bullying them right away. They haven't done anything since getting out of jail other than dress up in their cl- their crime outfits. They're meeting in a hotel. They're in full costume, but they haven't done anything illegal. Yes. And Spider-Man uh, is sort of threatening them and he takes the crime, uh, the Green Master's hypnotizing hat and then he slips in a spider tracer. Yeah. And that was his plan all along. He just came to put a spider tracer on the ringmaster so he could track them down if he needed to. Ringmaster asks for his hat back. Spider-Man gives it to him and swings away, and now he can trace the ringmaster. Yep. Now Spider-Man leaves, and we get to hear what the ringmaster's plan is for the Circus of Crime. Was he going to go straight? No way, pal. He's got another awesome plan. Yeah. Last time his plan, again, was to start a circus, make a lot of money with the circus, and occasionally rob the uh, townspeople. This time his plan is the same thing. (laughs) That's it. With no changes. No, no changes. the circus of crime wants nothing to do with it because it didn't work last time. It didn't work the last two times. They were foiled once by the Hulk and once by Spider-Man and Daredevil. So... You know, very reasonably, they they kind of tell Ringmaster to go shove it. Yeah. They want uh, the Ringmaster out, and he's like, well, then who's going to lead you? Well, they've got the perfect leader already on the team, the crafty clown. And he's there menacingly juggling in the foreground. Yeah. I don't it remember the clown like, doing anything in the previous story that make him seem crafty. Prin- Princess Python should be the leader, right? Like, she's sort of like, she's kind of like the most aggressive and she's got the idea and she's the only one who does anything story-wise ever. So, but nope, she's her move is to say, also, why do you need a leader? There's only like five of you. Can't you, you can't work by committee. Yeah. The enforcers don't have a leader. Yeah. The enforcers don't sit around being like, come on, fancy Nan, you're the boss. Nope. Uh, Well, Princess Python can't be the leader because this issue reminds me time and time again that women are very different than men. Very (laughs) different. The word Uh, female is said so much in this issue. It's so funny. It almost feels like a derogatory term the way it's written in this story. Another female. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the clown is sort of appointed in charge and they they then take turns on the next page all beating up the ringmaster. The clown hits him with his juggling balls. Yeah. Uh, Human cannibal walks up to him and headbutts him. (laughs) I guess it's a way to show their abilities to the readers, but beating up their boss is a weird way to do it. Yeah. Um, And then they toss him out with his hat on the street and... They're now their own team. And the clown lets us know, you've made a wiser choice than you think. A a statement which is never backed up in this story. It's very crafty, though, don't you think? It does sound very crafty. Um, Here's the other thing I want to point out is the ringmaster, his plan is stupid, but he has a hat which actually hypnotizes people. Like, that is a formidable ability. If you can truly hypnotize a crowd of people just by making them look at your hat, that's better than being a human cannonball with no cannon, yeah. or or two middle aged guys who are sort of acrobats, or a princess python with no snake, or a clown <laughs> with no ability yeah, and no like, abilities that we know but, of. So they kick out the one guy with an actual power. <laughs> That's right. They don't need him. Yeah. Well, I guess with the crafty clown leading them, they'll be all right. So. Yeah. We go away from them and we cut to uh, Peter Parker in high school who is wrapped up in a, in reading articles about science, specifically Dr. science. H- yeah. 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 Dr. Henry Pym, the guy we were talking about earlier. It doesn't mention yeah. his new costume here, but wouldn't Peter be excited to learn that? Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that Marvel crossover thing happening where characters in one issue are reading about characters in a different series. Um, okay, so, but P- he, Peter's wrapped up in science. He doesn't hear the bell ring. He gets made fun of by people for being such a nerd. But then Liz Allen, the most popular girl in school, who's had a crush on Peter for some time now, walks up and tries to worm her way into walking him home. Yeah, she helps him get his jacket on. Man, she is just fawning over Petey. Uh, But for once, Peter is wise and just says like, no, I'm not going to walk home with you because Liz would be, uh, my girlfriend, Betty Brant, would be jealous. And he's right, because on the walk home, Betty Brant finds him. Yep. And uh, they talk about how last issue she was very jealous of Peter because Peter had been accused by the Human Torch of making time with the Human Torch's girlfriend. And Peter says, I wasn't. Which is not true. And Betty goes... I believe you. But he kind of was making... He wasn't. But he wasn't. He helped her pick up her wallet. He was intrigued that she might have a crush on Peter Parker and thought, well, she'll like Spider-Man even know. better. So she, he came... That was... First of all, that was after Betty got jealous. And that was to get revenge against the Human Torch for making Betty you men, jealous. You men stick together. Us females. I stand for the... I stand <laughs> with the Boy. females who just... Who... No, don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, Okay, yeah, so, so Betty said, but Betty and Peter are happy. We have the first mention of the actual word "female" here. Um, you know, Betty Betty um, has asked him if he was making time with the torches girlfriend, and Peter says, "I was hoping you'd give me a chance to explain about that, Betty. I hardly know her. She doesn't mean anything to me, nor I to her. She was just trying to make Johnny jealous." And Betty accepts this and says, oh, Peter, you must think I'm just a jealous, foolish female. Yeah. You must think I'm a female. Yeah. Uh, But then Peter says, maybe you are, Bet, but you're also the prettiest, nicest. First of all, he says he agrees, basically. He's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. then he compliments her. You're also the prettiest, nicest, most wonderful gal I know. And she says, I won't try to pretend I don't love you saying it. Yeah. Yeah. She may be a female, but she's also a gal. So she's got her good sides. I do. Even even in Stan Lee's kind of clumsy hands just the presence of a romance on any level does like it it is like a relief in these spidey stories to have it not just constantly be dude in a costume wants a bag of money spider-man punches him like it's oh i mean i i agree i like spider-man having relationships both problems and successes i just uh uh, the 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 up and down of betty brant's jealousy it's weird it's so tedious particularly reading these when we used to read these like 20 issues uh, in a row. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, stop yeah, Get it. over it. Um, okay, but so they've made up, and um, Betty has to cover an art gallery tonight for Jay Jonah Jameson of the Daily Bugle and asks Peter to come with her. And he says, yes. Yeah, it's very nice. So it? we go to. Uh, there's a weird moment in this art yeah. exhibit right yes, away. I love it. There's there's, there's this is- picture of a foot yeah. uh, with like a sock on it, and there's a hole in the sock, and like the big toe is sticking out of it. And there's a guy behind a column thinking, Boy, I wish I could draw feet like that. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on I then? mean, I think that's Steve Ditko at the art gallery. But who wrote that line of dialogue? Stan Lee. And he decided it was Steve Ditko behind this pole? Yeah, I think so. I th- Looking at a foot drawn by Steve Ditko? Yeah. <laughs> so it's weird. T- I, it's it's, so it's weird. one of the reasons I love this comic, though. I, I believe that we're at this art gallery. There's an un... We don't see the face of this guy staring at a drawing of a foot. Because Steve, I think I I read in other interviews that Ditko was like sort of like obsessive about like drawing sort of like human anatomy correctly. Like the reason he liked Spider-Man was a hero doing all these sort of crazy leaps and flips and stuff like that, but still trying to do it sort of in an anatomically possible way. Like what would the human body really look like if it was somersaulting off a flagpole or something like that? So that he was like really into it. So I bet you Stan knew that and Stan is kind of like doing a playful dig at Ditko and also they're starting to not get along behind the scenes so maybe this is Lee's way of trying to extend an olive branch or something yeah maybe there's also some crossover with like J. Jonah Jameson and sort of an exaggerated Stan Lee so Jonah being there and saying uh talking about how he wants to make a profit off this art is sort of telling in a weird way too maybe unintentional though yeah Right, there's a guy who's curating all this art, and he wants to take credit for it. And it's in a comic book where one half of the creative team puts his name on everything. Um, yeah, oh, I uh, see. This is this great. This is the best issue of Spider-Man ever. And Peter hates the art. Yeah, Peter is a science guy. He doesn't like the art. Doesn't like the art drawn by his father, Steve Ditko. Yeah, I don't know. I have. Uh, it's. I'm all over the place with this. I think it's kind of funny. I think the next issue, Peter should go to a comic book store. We should hear what he thinks about Marvel comics. So he can like get some digs in on Stan Lee. Um, meanwhile, in the back room though, Will. Yes. There's a crime about to be committed by the clown. The crafty clown. So he's planned it, right? That's, that's, what, that's what's crafty about him. This I job guess. will be a breeze if you do exactly as I told you. And his plan is for the two acrobats, the brothers Gambonos... Yes. To to pick up the cannonball and shove him through the door so it breaks down. Yep. Instead of having a battering ram, they pick up a man and use him as a battering ram to knock open a door. That's part of his plan. The next part of his plan is the clown bursts into the gallery on a unicycle, juggling as a distraction. Yep. And then everybody else just steals paintings. That's the plan. <laughs> that's the whole plan. and I and guess works for and it works. It, a and it works. Bit. Everybody is just watching the clown on his unicycle and they don't notice that there's a bunch of people in circus costumes taking paintings off the wall. Yeah. Uh, even Jonah, who sees the clown, the clown says when he enters uh, that he is an extraordinary episode of jazzy juggling and breathtaking balance through the courtesy of Mr. J Jonah Jameson. and Jonah thinks to himself, I never hired him, but if they could speak credit, That's okay for me. Yeah, so it works for a little while. They start taking the paintings. But then Jameson notices... Yeah, what's that noise from the back room, he asks? Who's inside there? And he goes and he sees that the human cannonball is stealing a painting. What's going on here? Look at all those paintings. And so the human cannonball does what, he's, what he does best, and it's ram his big metal head into J. Jonah <laughs> Jameson and knocks him out. He knocks him out, yep. Goes down hard and has to be hospitalized. I mean, you could kill a guy, like, hitting him in the head too hard. Yeah, maybe the cannonball is a threat to normal people who stand still. I mean, I don't respect him as much as the crafty clown, but I'm beginning to get some respect for the human cannonball. Uh, Peter can't go chasing after the villains because the police want to question him about what happened here. And then he walks Betty home. And so f- he's finally free a while later. But luckily, he knows that these uh, circus folk work with the ringmaster and he put a spider tracker on the ringmaster. So he gets out his tracking device and That's he follows right. it, he swings over Manhattan, and it leads him to the police station. He's like, oh, great. The cops already captured everybody. This is going to be easy. We, now, now we are seven pages into the story. There is a caption that reminds us that Spider-Man doesn't know that the Ringmaster has been fired. So if somehow we miss that, yeah. it's reminded to us the air in a caption. Marvel Comics captions assume that you, the reader, have an attention span and memory of one page. Yes. If something happened more than one page ago, they remind you. Yeah. Uh, So Spider-Man follows the Ringmaster home. Like Imagine a movie movie where every time you see a character, it like flashes back to when you were introduced to that character. Hey, you're the kid I met in that other scene. (laughs) I mean, I sort of hate it in movies where like in the final half hour, there's like a flashback to something in the first half hour. Yes. I'm just like, oh, I mean, if, if I don't remember that, I don't need you. I don't, just don't tell me. Yeah. Well, Marvel Comics is full of stuff like that. Yeah. The Ringmaster, meanwhile, is home talking to himself about what's going on. But we uh, we did do we say that the uh, cops um the cops let the ringmaster go because he's he, got an alibi. He has he hasn't done anything wrong. He wasn't part of that crime. Yeah. I mean he is for sure innocent. Um so Spidey follows him to his house, but luckily the yeah, like you say the ringmaster is talking out loud about what he knows so Spider-Man can overhear it. Yep. Uh Spider-Man wants to know a little bit more so he oh cuz one of the things the ringmaster says is uh he didn't tell the cops where to find the clown. Yeah, he he didn't snitch. Because he's got a plan to go steal the paintings from the clown. Yeah, they they beat the crap out of him. He's gonna double cross them and steal all the paintings right from them. So Spider Man breaks into the ringmaster's apartment secret quietly, takes his hypnotizing hat and hypnotizes the ringmaster to get information out of him. Yep, and he gets it. The ringmaster tells him where the clown is probably housed. Uh, and Spider Man leaves uh, the uh, ringmaster being hypnotized so that he can make a go go make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he calls to see how Jonah's is doing, and Jonah's still unconscious. But uh, he can't. But Spidey can't do anything about that. So he sets off to fight the the ringmaster's former partners. Yeah. Again, leaving the ringmaster hypnotized, just sort of in a trance, I guess, forever. <laughs> I mean, it's the most amazing ability in the book. There's a hat that hypnotizes people, and it is such an it is so in the background of the story. Yeah. Okay. So, Spidey breaks into. He, he's heading to where the gang is meeting. You know, because they're they're they have important business. They've stolen all these paintings, but there's something else they need to do first. Well, they have to pick a name for themselves. Yeah, they can't be the circus of crime anymore. As we said, they didn't, there's no circus. Right. Uh, And the crafty clown um, says they need a name with drama that'll strike fear into people. I mean, did Stan Lee just like read Batman for the first time the week before (laughs) he wrote this issue? And so he's just trying to steal a clown villain striking fear in the hearts of villains? Uh, I mean, Maybe. Uh, Princess Python has a suggestion. The Gambonos have suggestions. They're not great suggestions. They've suggested the Carnival Champs, (laughs) uh, the big, just the big toppers, the big toppers. Uh, but then Princess Python comes up with the perfect name, the masters of menace. They love it. But then, right then, Spidey jumps, uh, breaks in. Yep, Spider-Man jumps in and has really no problem fighting these guys for a while. Um, yeah, they're kind of easy, right? Because none of them have super abilities and Spider-Man has yeah. superpowers. So some of the stuff that happens is they throw a ball at him. Uh, they trip uh, yeah, him with a not, big hook. Yeah, that's that works. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they kind of get him by ganging up on him, like the crafty clown hits him with a pole in time for human cannibal to run into him. Yeah. Uh, uh, he gets headbutted a few times by the cannonball guy. There's a few panels of them just whiffing, just missing him as he jumps around. But then something mm-hmm. trips him up. Princess Python hugs him. Now, I guess that's sort of Python-esque, like she's wrapping her arms around him. Yeah, just, maybe Steve Ditko meant it to be like she's got the strength of a python, but that's not how it's portrayed. Yeah, it could be that Ditko drew it that way, but Stanley's speech balloons just say that she's kind of hugging him to distract him because she knows that Spidey won't hit a girl. Yeah. He thinks to himself, suffering spiderwebs. What do I do now? I can't fight a female. <laughs> I can't use force against her. But if she doesn't let go, the others will pulverize me, not her. Yep. She's no threat directly. And then um she gets in a line clown be gentle with him he's rather cute in an offbeat way. Yep. Classic female falling in love at a drop of a hat with a costumed avenger. Yep. And Spidey the 17-year-old superhero thinks, "Why do the women in my life always cause nothing but trouble?" Yeah. Ugh. That's a good point, Spider-Man. He's a world-weary 17-year-old. Uh, we cut to the ringmaster whose hat has fallen down from the spiderweb that was holding it. Yep. And so now he's coming out of his hypnotic trance. Yeah, he starts to wake up. Um, the doc- meanwhile, at the hospital, the doctors say that J. Jonah Jameson doesn't have any serious injuries. He's going to be okay. Then we cut back to Spider-Man now being attacked by every single member of the Masters of Menace, except for Princess Python, at the same time. Yeah, but Spidey just one at a time starts knocking him out. Yeah, no problem. They're all punching him, and he just one by one punches each one of them until they're out cold. Uh, The cannibal guy tries to headbutt him again, so Spider-Man just crushes his hat. Yeah, conks him on the head, and it squishes his, like, metal helmet or whatever. Uh, and then he goes chasing after Princess Python, who runs out of the room. Yeah, and she's luring him away. She tries to seduce him. Yeah, she, she's got a plan. She thinks to herself, he found me. My only chance is to take advantage of being a female. Yep. And she tries to flirt with him. Yeah. I mean, it does work mostly. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't web her up. Yep. He doesn't punch her. He doesn't knock her out. He doesn't, he just sort of stands there while she caresses him. Yeah. She says, you know, Spider-Man, you're not too hard to take. Why don't you and I team up? We could make beautiful music together. I mean, this issue's bad. (laughs) 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 This is a bad comic book. Uh, the clown watches. He gets mad at the double-crossing, two-timing, no-good female. <laughs> well, I, again, I love it again. I mean, it's so oh, real. Wow. <laughs> the clown is so stupid. We're told that he's a great character and he doesn't. He's got nothing. He's got that hook. Remember, he had his, uh, his uh, shepherd's cane that he used to hook Spider-Man that one time. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It was very, it was very crafty. Uh, meanwhile, the ringmaster has fully woken up, and he's grabbed his hat, and um, uh, he's got to go catch up with the catch up with the uh, Masters of Menace, so he can rip them off. Right? Yep. And the police have been tailing the ringmaster, uh, and so now they're also following the ringmaster. Meanwhile, back at the uh, cr- the Masters of Menace hideout, Python. I mean, she's doing pretty good. She she tries to rip Spidey's mask off. Yeah, she keeps caressing him for a while until she gets her hands on his mask and almost pulls it off. We get his chin showing, uh, but Spiderman jumps back and pulls his mask down, and then she pulls out her electric cattle prod and melts his web shooters. Yeah, she starts doing pretty good. Also, I want to point out that she almost unmasks him, right? But, like, without a yeah. camera, what good is that going to do her? She's not going to know who he is. Yeah, he's not famous. So you're not going to be able to, like— I d there's no it's not you know, pre internet. Like she can't and no photo. Like what you're just gonna eyeball 8 million people in New York City until you find Spider Man? I mean, this is a city where every time you go around the corner, you run into Flash Thompson and his gang. So they're probably going to run into each other. Yeah, and I guess she'll so. remember she unmasked him one time. It's it's like three buildings in this New York City, and everyone's <laughs> always walking around it. I guess you're right. Okay, so she almost unmasks him. She fuses his web shooter short, and then Python pushes him into a, a room we haven't been in before because there's an enormous Python in it. Yeah, bigger. Than a man. Yeah. Like snake is like four times, I mean, three times the size of Spider-Man, I'd say. Like crafty clown never thought about using the snake in any of the, uh, in any of his crimes. Princess Python doesn't need any of these other guys. She should be a solo act. Yep. Really, she should just be a circus act. Just take this snake on the road. Yeah, this snake would make more money uh, in the field of entertainment than in crime. Um, But Spidey's able to take care of the snake after a page of fighting, and then she chases after the python. Meanwhile, the crafty clown has taken all the paintings for himself and is trying to sneak away by himself because he's fed up with his gang. Right, but then the ringmaster knocks out the clown and takes the paintings from the clown. (laughs) It's so funny. And then the police catch the ringmaster immediately. <laughs> within one panel, he's the worst. He he's the worst criminal we've seen in the history in the history of Spider-Man comics. Like the least the successful. The moment he steps outside, the moment he steps outside, he says, "Oh no, not again! I can't fail again." Uh, Spidey catches up with uh, Python, but then the uh, and he gets to, what is it? What does he do? He um. He doesn't. He just chases her to the police. Oh, yeah. He just kind of rustles her towards the cops and they get her. Yeah. And then he runs off. Oh, he takes a photo of them getting arrested and then takes off. Yeah. Um. I mean, what a dumb issue. Like these these circus <laughs> people who don't have good powers team up to rob an art gallery and then they're just stealing the paintings from each other for the rest of the issue. <laughs> uh, and then the final page is also sort of bizarre. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson gets mad at Betty Brant for not working while he was in the hospital bed. Right. And then threatens to fire Peter Parker for not being at the hospital. That's right. But then he's got photos of Spidey fighting the Masters of Menace, so all is forgiven. All is forgiven. Yet, Jonah grabs Peter and Betty by the arms and races off to prepare another art exhibit. (laughs) It's like a bad sitcom. Yeah, it's really an insane issue. Then Peter comes home late and Aunt May has been waiting up for him, mad that he didn't get home when he said he would. He didn't call and he doesn't know how to explain where he's been, other than the fact that she knows he's a photographer. She knows he was at this art exhibit or he could just say, I went to an art exhibit with Betty. doesn't matter. He didn't call. Aunt May's mad. Aunt May's mad and he can't tell her he's Spider-Man because the shock would kill her. And that's how our story ends. <laughs> okay. I guess it's not good, but <laughs> honestly, if you told me like, Hey, I made a movie of Spider-Man. I made three movies of mm-hmm. Spider-Man. One of them is Spidey versus the Beetle, one is Spidey versus the Scorpion, and one is Spidey versus the Masters of Medicine, their art gallery heist. I'm like, show me that one. <laughs> okay? Uh I'll choose the Beetle. Okay. All right. Um I, I mean I can see your point. Uh let's right, we give out our awards? Uh yeah, let's do it. Um what's your uh art panel? What's your Ditko panel of the issue? Okay, I've got the strangest choice I've ever made. Okay. It is Page 14, panel three. It is when the ringmaster is waking up from being hypnotized. There's just like a one panel close up of his face and he looks kind of dazed. Yeah. The reason I choose this panel is I think it looks sort of exactly like a Dan Klaus drawing, like something from Ghost World or David Boring or Art School Confidential, you know, or caricature. Dan Klaus, like, you know, is one of my favorite comic book artists. And this this panel looks right out of a Dan Klaus comic in a way. So it's just really from my own personal observation that I like it. It's not even that striking a panel otherwise. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like I like face close ups just in general, but I agree. It does kind of have a, that feel and yeah. vibe to it. Uh, I'm going to choose a panel on the next page, page 15. Okay. I love pile-on panels. I think that's becoming clear okay, yeah. to myself. Uh, I like the second panel here the best. With a second punch, he kind of pokes out of the pile and just punches out. I guess that's the crafty clown he's punching yep. out. Yep. Uh, there's something that just shows how there's no threat to Spider-Man in this panel. He's so powerful looking. Yeah. And you don't even really see him. You just see his arm. You see everyone punching him. It just looks like it looks easy. Um, Yeah, he looks very powerful there. Uh, What is your Stanley dialogue? I mean, uh, I'm going to go with one of these terrible female lines. Uh, And I'm choosing the line where she goes, he found me. My only chance is to take advantage of being a female. Um, That's page 16, the second panel. It's terrible. It's pretty good. Uh, So I'm choosing one that I think is terrible. I'm going to use another female one, page 13. Panel six, Spidey thinking, why do the women in my life always cause nothing but trouble? Yeah. this. I think this issue, I think the women's movement was just about to uh, really make some strides until this issue came out. Set it back like 20 years. Yeah, set it way back. Uh, um, what's your highlight? Oh, man. There's not a ton in this issue that I love, um, unless I look at it as a purely comedy issue. Um, and from that regard, I guess... I enjoy the ringmaster being arrested immediately after grabbing the paintings. Uh, my highlight is the brothers Gambono. <laughs> just the existence of them, just because they're so stupid, they're so, yeah, so they're, They make me laugh. Their, their abilities are like they're just acrobats, which puts them like behind every Marvel hero. Yeah, like even Daredevil's a better acrobat than these acrobats. <laughs> so they're my highlight. Great. Uh, what's your low light? Wait, I changed my mind. My highlight is Steve Ditko being at the art gallery himself. Okay, him admiring the toe. Yeah, the, a character who is either Steve Ditko or an analog representation of Steve Ditko admiring the art in the art gallery. That's my highlight. Okay, what's your low light? Brothers Gambono. <laughs> <laughs> you can't switch it. I just want the low light. I just want them mentioned. I want them in there. <laughs> they're my. Low light. They're either your highlight or low light. They're, That's how you looked at. They they stand out somehow. <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, Jeez, I don't know what my low light is. I mean, it should be all this female stuff, but it's just so, so terrible. Uh, I guess... It's the uh, uh, cannonball walking around, headbutting everyone. <laughs> he's not just headbutting them. It'd be one thing like when he fights Jay Jonah Jameson, he smacks him on the skull. Yeah, everybody else he just sort of runs into their <laughs> chest. He bends over and walks towards them. It's it's so dumb. It's great. It's great. Like if he had rocket shoes or something, <laughs> and he was like could fly at you and r- r- ram you. Yeah, like if he was like the superhero cannonball from the New Mutants. That'd be something. Oh, yeah. I love Cannonball from the New Mutants. I love Cannonball. This Cannonball is terrible. (laughs) I know. He's bad. I think Um, he came back and faced off with the New Mutants Cannonball over the name. That happens sometimes in Marvel Comics where they fight over their names. (laughs) I'd like to see how quick that fight lasted. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, New Mutant's Cannonball would uh, have his way pretty easily. Yeah, he'd fly, and that Cannonball would be like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing can hurt me when I'm blasting. Um, Great, so those are our awards for issue 22 of Amazing Spider-Man. Congrats, issue 22. Um, We don't have any reader mail. We do uh, not. We've been recording these episodes a little quickly right now to catch up, so we're not giving any time for our readers to send in mail. It's not that we're not popular. We're just recording episodes too fast. Yeah, we've recorded like three this week. Uh, if you do want to write us, you should email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram, screwitspidey, where uh, Kevin will be posting some choice panels from the issues we talk about. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's that's also all reposted on Twitter at screwitspidey on Twitter so check us out in those places please um, Kevin do you have any uh, recommendations I mean that's a great question Will um, I don't I don't either I, I, didn't give it, I didn't give it any thought I mean I could grab something randomly oh you know what I do because last week last episode I told you I was going to recommend something specific this episode okay yeah I'm going to I recommend Jack Staff by Paul Grist. So, so last, a, last episode, you recommended Kane, Kane by Paul Grist. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, so, this time I'm talking about Jack Staff. When Jack Staff first started, he stopped working on Kane, which was his cop story comic book. And I was disappointed that he was leaving a cop nope. story to do a superhero comic. I mean, when Paul Grist stopped. That's right. He switched from doing Kane to Jack Staff. And I was disappointed because I went to read his comics because I wanted to get away from superheroes. Uh, And now Paul Griss is doing a comic book that basically featured a character that looks sort of like Union Jack from Marvel Comics. There's a guy named Sergeant States in it that was sort of like a Captain America analog. Mm. Uh, Jack Staff's girlfriend sort of seemed like a Lois Lane type. There was sort of an Iron Man analog in there uh, in those first few issues. So I was really disappointed when it first started reading. But by like issue five or six, man, did I love this comic. Mm. Uh, It was really inspired, I guess, by these old British comic strips. Okay or like an anthology book. Uh, and I'm not sure, because I'd never read the inspirations for it. But basically, as you're reading this comic, it's not really a Jack Staff comic. It's basically like the world of Jack Staff. And every like couple pages, it almost feels like you're reading a strip about a different character, where it's almost like there is a... Uh, a panel that introduces that character to you and tells that character's story for like a page and a half. And all these stories are sort of intersecting and combining and coming at you from different angles. And the characters all get their own lives. And I sort of like really fell in love with all these characters. And the way these stories were told felt like someone just picked up like six different strands of stories and wove them together each issue. Uh, and it becomes a really, really cool comic. That is also no longer being done. He left it to do a different comic. Uh, I think basically, Paul Grist uh, works on these comics. They sell okay, uh, but not quite enough. And then he leaves to do something else. Hopefully, hoping something like really strikes it, uh, and that he can, you know, have a real hit. Uh, and Jackstaff or Kane should have been it. They're both such great comics. Um, I remember reading someone you recommended it, and I also I also like Jackstaff. Jackstaff's incredible. Um, I think the first couple issues are probably the weakest, and they're good. It gets really, really good after that, though. uh, uh, Paul Griss did something called St. Swithin's Day, which was like a a four-issue miniseries that he did with Grant Morrison, and I really love that series, too. Yeah, he's done some cool things. He wrote uh, a Spider-Man comic, actually, uh, called The Daily Bugle. I think it was a three-issue miniseries. He didn't draw it, but uh, he wrote it, and it's a black-and-white comic that takes place at The Daily Bugle. Peter Parker has like a cameo, but Spider-Man's really not in it. I mean, that's a really great read too. We like Paul Grist is what we're saying. Yeah. He's done a handful of things here and there. Uh, uh, I love his work. I sort of follow him around and read whatever I can get my hands on of his. Um, But Jackstaff and Kane sort of stand out above everything else to me. All right. Those are our recommendations. Um, uh, So, yeah. So, send us emails, uh, screwitspidey at gmail. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have some more before. I think we're not recording for another couple days, so that's some time to get some in. Yeah. Um, Though, this episode's being released in a couple weeks, so I don't know how that really works out. Yes, we are making things difficult for ourselves. Yeah, Uh, but I hope you're doing good, listeners. We hope you're doing great. And um, we hope that uh, all the amazing features of this podcast were good for you. Two hosts, they're married, uh, we're talking about (laughs) the original Spider-Man comics. I mean... and if you're interested, if you really like this podcast, you really love our spinoff podcast, screw it. We're just going to talk about the Crafty Clown. Uh, 100, 100 episodes minimum. <laughs> yeah, minimum. We're going to take up every, every appearance of the Crafty Clown and really get into what makes him tick. <laughs> and if any females want to come on that podcast and talk to us about the Crafty Clown, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear your point of view of how well-written, if there's any females out there who think these characters are well-written, I'd <laughs> be very curious to meet you. Um, Yeah, uh, this was a dud of an issue. Next issue, The Green Goblin is back, so that should be fun. Yeah, next issue is The Green Goblin. So uh, come back and listen to us talk about that. Bye, everybody. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just going to talk about about Spider-Man. Campfire.